how about we start with a blessing? How, how about I, I just start off by blessing you on this Pentecost Sunday. I bless you in the name of Jesus that you would know Jesus more wonderfully, that you would know the, the closeness, the, the closeness of the Holy Spirit. You would know the Spirit is here and, and with you, that you would know the Spirit of God is in this place. I bless you to be healed if you need healing in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, and in your spirit. I bless you to receive the guidance and help from God right now during this time that God would speak to you and, and help you. That, that you would flourish and prevail in whatever challenges that you're facing. And I bless you to feel hope, to feel life, to feel joy, to feel love, to feel peace, whatever your circumstances that you would feel that as the Spirit of God is here. And those are parts of the fruit of His Spirit. I bless you with that. May it be in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, everybody, happy Pentecost Sunday. Uh, yay. Uh, we on Easter celebrate Jesus is alive. Although He was crucified, God raised Him from the dead. We celebrate on Easter Sunday. On Pentecost, what we're celebrating is the birthday of the church, the day when, when the Holy Spirit was given to, to all believers and the day where God activated with his own power the salvation message, the message of Jesus to make for himself a people of his very own, uh, purchased by the blood of Jesus, filled with the Spirit, uh, a people from every tongue, tribe, people, and nation, eager to do the will of God. So he started that with the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost Sunday. We read about Pentecost Sunday in Acts chapter 2 in the Bible. And basically the Old Testament, the Old Testament is all anticipating and is pointing to the hope that is coming when, with Jesus. From Acts onwards, starting Acts chapter 2 onwards, the rest of the Bible is then now about a people empowered by the Holy Spirit sent out now into the world to proclaim the name of Jesus and the message of Jesus that basically anyone, anyone from any background, any baggage, any issues, anyone can be forgiven and saved as they repent and give their lives to Jesus. They can be forgiven, filled with the Holy Spirit and sent on the same message, uh, same mission. To proclaim the name of Jesus to the nations, to proclaim the, the, the gospel, the good news of salvation through Jesus. Pentecost is just one of those most significant shifting moments, not only in the Bible, but just in the history of the world. A, a big shifting moment for, for many reasons. One of them is connected to our series that we just wrapped up um, from the days of Abraham. All the way from the days of Abraham in Genesis chapter 11, Genesis chapter 12, God has been directing people to go to the land. He says, Abraham, go to, leave your, go to the land that I'm going to send you. And, and yeah, there's years away from the land, but it's like I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to bring you to the land, to the land, to the land. But, but the message is mostly come to the land. And from Pentecost onwards, there's a great shift from come to the land to now go out. Go, go from the land with, with, with the message of Jesus. Go out into the nations. Um, one of the last things that Jesus says before Pentecost Sundays to his people is in Matthew chapter 28. And Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you or obey everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go. Go, go. It's time for, for us now to go from, in our case, the study of the, the Bible land, but go out from the Bible land with biblical faith, taking what was learned in the land, taking what was learned uh, uh, following Jesus in the land, taking what was learned from even just by faith in the land, out into the nations. What, what are some of the things we learned? Well, we talked about them over our previous s- series. I guess in briefest recap, in case you missed one, although you probably caught up on YouTube, but let's just pretend somebody didn't. Um, maybe Wade, I don't know. Uh, but somebody, somebody didn't catch up. <clears throat> the first place we looked at was Shechem. And, and, and this is the place where God said to Abraham, this is the promised land. It's the promised land of the promised land. This is where th- that, that was given. And, and this is the first place where Abraham builds an altar to worship God in the land. It, it's the ancient spiritual soul of the land. And the lessons that we're reminded of when we're looking at this, this part of the land is we can't rest on our spiritual backgrounds. No matter how great they are, no matter how poor they are. We need to keep going forward after Jesus. Not, not just, we, we can appreciate our spiritual past, if that's part of it, but we've got to keep going forward after Jesus. So we talked about Shechem and, and the, the origins there. And then we talked about uh, the Benjamin Plateau. And it was a place where the nation was ruled uh, as a whole nation from Samuel and, and King Saul's day. But, but it was the, the tribe of Benjamin was a bunch of wolves, right? Uh, Benjamin is a wolf, uh, uh, these fighters. And they kept forgetting who their fighting for and who they're fighting against and these fighters end up fighting against God and then against God's people and instead of then being the center of the kingdom as it was in the days of King Saul it becomes the center of conflict for God's people and you have the the boundary of the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom where all the conflict taking place right on this Benjamin plateau here and and yet there's a redemption story for those fighters and we saw the story of of how God takes the wolf of Benjamin a guy named Paul, Saul, and, and, he, and, he, and he commissions him to bring the gospel of Jesus into the nations. We looked at the Benjamin Plateau. Then we looked down at the city of Hebron, Hebron uh, a beautiful, mighty city, but a, a significant uh, theme of waiting coming from that. Hebron is where David waited for God's promises to be fulfilled, that he would be king over all of Israel for seven years. No, for seven years he waited until that was fulfilled. Um, it's a place of waiting connected to Caleb. Caleb had to wait 40 years for God to fulfill his promise that this was going to be his city. Abraham dies here. He's buried here. And, and he dies in faith waiting for God's promises to be fulfilled. And we're reminded when we're looking at Hebron that, that God will do everything that he's ever said he's going to do. He keeps his promises no matter how seeming likely or not. God keeps every one of his promises. And so we, we're called to keep believing, even in all the long waiting, for God to do everything that he said. Hebron. We continued going south and we came to the land of the Negev, which means dry, the, the kind of this deserty area down, down in the south. Um, very dry land, but wherever there's water, there's life. Often the Negev is full of spiritually rebellious people, but it didn't have to be. Faith can thrive in the driest, most deserty seasons. If you're in a Negev season, in a desert season, faith can thrive in your context as well. What do you do? You, you search for water there. Maybe you've got to keep digging, digging that well or, or, or searching for streams in the Negev, but, but faith can thrive in even the driest of situations. 
We talked uh, after that, we talked about the hill country of, of Judah. Safe, beautiful, beautiful, secure, peaceful place. But it also ran 60 days short of food every year. And in that context, we remember talking about how they were safe, but they were also called to live by faith by bringing their offerings, knowing that their food ought to run 60 days short. And they're, they're called to bring their offerings to God and trusting God to provide whatever is lacking. And we talked about how living by faith is living by faith. And living it out. And, and it's, uh, even people who crave safety and security and peace, there's still that challenge of living by faith. After the hill country, we talked about the Shephelah, the, the, the Shephelah, the, the foothills, the place where those, they encounter people who live very differently from them, who have different values, different beliefs about God, and, and a, a context full of conflict and hostility, verbally and, and even, even in, in their case, very uh, violently. So you, you have this, this place, and, and although it's a place of conflict, usually, it, it's also the place where you can make peace. And we talked about the power of making peace in the areas of your life that are full of conflict. And, and how the Bible says, as far as it is up to you, live at peace with all people. And, and we had that Jewish blessing, may there be peace in your Shephelah, in, in those areas of life that, where, there, where there's currently conflict. May, may peace come in those situations. So we talked about that area. We talked about the Rift Valley and the, and the wilderness of Judah. We talked about how God leads people into wilderness seasons for four powerful reasons. As we saw in the life of King David, to protect him from harm. Number two, to teach you that you can trust God in hard times when things aren't how you want them to be. Also, to give you a voice. We saw that with John the Baptist. He went to the wilderness and he, to be a voice. And then Jesus returns from the wilderness with a voice. Fourthly, to prepare you for what's next. To prepare, we saw Jesus being prepared for what's next in the wilderness and having come out of the Rift Valley where he was baptized and in the wilderness where he was, where he was tempted. Wilderness seasons, powerful seasons for those who are trained by it. Like Jesus. After the wilderness, we talked about Jerusalem. The city of the great king, the, the city of God, the most important city in all the world according to God's plans and purposes for it. But then we, we talked about how it was only special, it was only significant for one reason. Because God chose it and he chose to place his name there. It was entirely insignificant. It was a no place. It was, the, it was the wrong place. It was the unwanted place until God chose to place his name there. And when God chose it, it changed everything. Just like when you give your life to Jesus. It doesn't matter how you naturally evaluate yourself or how you would evaluate your future based on your past. All that matters is, has God chosen you? And, and, and if you've given your life to Jesus or you give your life to Jesus, the answer to that is yes, he's chosen you and that changes everything. Your future is dictated by the choosing of God, not by the past and natural origins, whatever your story is thus far. After Jerusalem, we went north and talked about Samaria. Samaria, the opposite of Jerusalem. Samaria is the land where everything is great. The, the, it was easy to be powerful, rich, and successful, and mighty, and, and there was water and food, and, and yet spiritually bankrupt, rejecting God and everything about God. We talked about how it's the place of the successful and the rich, but the warning was not to envy the wicked. 
not to envy the wicked, but instead cherish the goodness and the delight and the perks of following Jesus. Continuing through the land, we talked about the Jezreel Valley. The, the number one place most likely to be invaded, the place most likely controlled by the enemies, the, the most likely situation to seem hopeless about the future because the enemies were mighty in that place. It was often the place where everything felt hopeless and awful for long periods of time. But then, as we kept reading, we discovered that it ultimately this valley becomes the place of God's amazing, supernatural breakthroughs and victories over every kind of evil, over every kind of awful. This, this valley, this situation that looks so hopeless often, is actually the valley of God's certain victory. After Jezreel, we went over to the east side and we, we learned about the enemies over there. That they're like the cousins, the, the Moabites, the Edomites, and the Ammonites. They're closely related cousins, actually, to God's people. But when it comes to God... Family, family is everything. Family, family is everything. And although they're very similar and genetically connected, uh, what really matters is, are you a part of the family, family of God? Are you, are you part of God's adopted family, a son or daughter of God? In-laws don't count. It's about, are you part of God's family, family? We'll edit that in case my in-laws watch. Anyways. Finally, we talked about the Galilee, the Galilee up north, a beautiful area virtually ignored in the Old Testament. Isaiah calls it the land of darkness. And yet the land of darkness becomes the focal point of hope, not just for the New Testament, but for all time. When Jesus of Galilee, or Jesus of Nazareth, or Jesus of Capernaum, Jesus, the, Jesus of this northern area, Jesus of Nazareth, he, he comes forward and he, and he starts healing the, the, the sick, he starts raising the dead. Uh, he starts uh, he, uh, pronouncing the good news of the kingdom of God. He starts declaring the greatness of, of God's kingdom and his power and his glory. He starts giving sight to the blind and, and, and uh, le the lame are walking and, and, and all this stuff is happening. And, and Jesus goes out into the land of darkness and he, and he brings the light of the gospel, the light of hope for the ages. Jesus goes into the darkest places to bring his light, his hope, his love. To bring, to bring us out of the dominion of darkness. And to bring us into the kingdom of the Son of God. Praise God. So we talked all about through the land over the last series. And, and in the Old Testament, the message was, this is the land. Come to the land. Stay in the land. Return to the land. Trust God in the land. But then we come to Pentecost. Then to come to Pentecost, and the message entirely switches from come to the land, come to the promised land, to go, go from the promised land, out with biblical faith. Go out from the promised land with biblical faith, and the message of the good news of Jesus. Jesus says go in Matthew 28, but he also says wait. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus says, wait, again, right before Pentecost, and it says, while he was with them, Jesus, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait. To wait for the Father's promise, which, he said, you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. The message is, go, uh, but first, we must wait 
for the Holy Spirit. First we need to wait, okay, why? Why? Why must we wait for those? Why, especially those guys, right? Why do those guys need to wait for the Holy Spirit? They have spent all of their lives in the land of the Bible. They have walked through the land of the Bible with Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Galilee. Jesus, Jesus, right? They have walked through the land with him. They have learned all about um, the teaching of Jesus. They've seen Jesus uh, teaching them in the morning, in the evening, and walking along the road. They, they know more about Jesus and his life and everything that he did than we will ever even ever, ever be able to know in this life. I mean, they were with him, miracle after miracle after miracle, teaching after teaching after teaching. They saw with their own eyes Jesus raised from the dead. They talked with him. They met with him. They know. They've seen. And, and they can testify with that, with all the passion of someone who's seen it for themselves that Jesus is alive. So why do they have to wait? Is the Spirit that big of a deal that these people, knowing all that they know, seeing all that they've done, they still need to wait? Why? In my background, in my background, the Holy Spirit is probably the most underappreciated, under, mm, misunderstood, or under, understudied uh, person of the Trinity. But the reality is, no Holy Spirit, no hope. No Holy Spirit, you got nothing. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you've got nothing. No Holy Spirit, no hope for you. No Holy Spirit, no hope for anything of God going through you. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not in God's family family. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you, you don't have any hope of heaven as your life currently stands right now. Because the Holy Spirit is the seal and the guarantee. The guarantor, I guess, of our salvation. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you have very little hope of knowing what Jesus wants you to do. You have very little hope of getting help with, when it comes to what Jesus wants to say. You, you, you get, have very little hope of serving in the way and in, and in, yeah, in the way that the Holy Spirit and how Jesus wants you to serve. You have very little hope of seeing the breakthrough in your life that you would like and that you long for and that you need. And, and then break, seeing breakthroughs come through you. It, without the Holy Spirit. People from my background completely underappreciate how uh, essential the Holy Spirit is to every aspect of what it is to be connected to Jesus. Every single aspect, how we're transformed, how we're changed, what happens in us, what happens through us, even just having that connection with Jesus, the Holy Spirit is, has, is at all of that, is part of all of that. Without, without the Holy Spirit, we're going nowhere with Jesus. We've got nothing. Even though the disciples know more about Jesus than anyone ever before this moment, they still need to wait. They still need to wait until the Holy Spirit is given at Pentecost. You can know everything about the Bible, everything about Jesus, and, and testify perfectly. You can have the perfect Jesus message and, and gospel message, but your testimony will not make a dent without the help and the intervention of the Holy Spirit, without the Holy Spirit's confirmation, giving you maybe the words, confirming the message, either by moving their hearts to respond or, or in whatever ways. So they're told to wait. But we don't have to. We don't have to wait anymore. That's, that's, one, that's the joy of Pentecost. We don't have to wait anymore because it's, the Holy Spirit has been given. And then that's where we get to Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost had arrived, 
they, the disciples, were all together in one place, waiting. Suddenly, a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And basically from this point on, the Holy Spirit is now remaining. Remaining, is being poured out and, and, and remaining on, on believers. Uh, in fact, Peter is going to talk about this as, as we go through the book of Acts, we, or, uh, go through the same chapter, chapter 2. And Peter calls his generation to repent and believe. Let me just read it. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Not just repent. He says, repent and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. What happens if you repent and are baptized, according to Peter? And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you. And for your children, and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. This is an every believer, henceforth, will be given the Spirit of God, at least in the words of Peter here. Uh, if you repent and you're baptized, um, it, repenting and giving your life to Jesus. If you have doubts, whether you have the Holy Spirit, I've heard a lot of wide variety of teaching on this topic over the years. But if you have some doubts, I'm sorry, I, I understand. Uh, I, I want that, those doubts to be going away now. <laughs> I, I don't want you to have doubts. And, and if you're struggling with that, I want you to go for prayer today. And when you go for prayer, I want you to testify to four things, if they're true. Uh, testify to four things as you ask them, to, like, I would like confirmation that I have the Holy Spirit. And I want you to confess out loud, I believe in Jesus. I have given my life. To follow Jesus. I repent from, from how I lived before Jesus and living on my own. Now I, my life is living for Jesus. And I have been baptized in water as a believer. Now if that last one's not true, uh, I don't... Oh. <laughs> I don't believe that it, you need to be baptized in water to receive the Holy Spirit. But I'm just looking at Acts chapter 2, and if you want to stand uh, with the confidence, 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 that's one that I would draw on for, for sure. Uh, and so I, I'm just saying that because it's in the Bible right here. Not making <laughs> any points, any theological points. But if you've not been baptized and you are a believer... Um, it, it's, it's time. I mean, these guys are getting baptized day one. Uh, we got a tank right here. I think we, we can do that uh, one at a time. One, 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 one service at a time. But just, just queue up and talk to Laura or whoever and, and we'll, start, we'll start doing that. It, it, it's time. It's time. And you're like, oh, but I, I, I'm embarrassed. It's been too long. I'm, I'm off topic. <laughs> baptize. We'll, get, we'll, we'll all get past the issues. The, the, the reality here is I believe in Jesus. I committed my life to following Jesus. I've repented and I've been baptized in water. So you go upstairs, you, you make that testimony. You're like, or I'm going to be baptized by the end of this summer. Okay? And, and they will pray that, you know, just for confirmation that you have God's spirit in, in you. I, I'd like you to have that confirmation today. What will that look like? That's up to the spirit. That's not up to Brian. The messages go. Wait for the Holy Spirit, but Go. Okay, go where? Go where? Well, Jesus says this to the disciples. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. 
and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The answer to the question, go where is, go anywhere that the Holy Spirit leads you. But I also think the message is, start here, start now. It's not like the Holy Spirit came and they went to go grab their, their, uh, their, all their travel gear. They just started. The Holy Spirit is here, I'm starting here. And, I, and I'm not, I'm, I am going there, but I'm here now, so I, I, here I am. I, I'm, I, I'm starting here, I'm starting now. The church started there the second they received the Holy Spirit, and, and, and after, that's what they needed. And after that, they were going for it. With boldness, they called people to repent and to believe in Jesus and be saved. They don't, the, the apostles, at least, don't seem to leave Jerusalem for a couple years. They, they seem to stay there until Acts chapter, after Acts chapter 7 when Stephen is stoned. And then in Acts chapter 8, we start reading stories about them dispersing and going into Judea and Samaria. And then by the time we get to Acts chapter 13, we see Barnabas and, and Paul uh, commissioned to go out into the nations as the Holy Spirit directed them. Where do we start? Well, we start here. We start here. We start now because the Holy Spirit is here. You have the Holy Spirit. And, and, and here's where we are, telling people about Jesus and Calling people to respond to him by repenting and being baptized. Today we celebrate one of the most important events in the history of the world. I think the three main events are Jesus raised from the dead, crucified and raised from the dead. The pouring out of the spirit on all who believe in Jesus. And then the day we stand before God at the end of the age. This is one of the big three. This is the one of the big three, very worth celebrating, very worth um, talking about, very worth responding to. So the challenge today is I want you to go discover three new wonderful things about the Holy Spirit you didn't know or you haven't cherished recently. I'm just going to call it out. Some of you have backgrounds um, where you have baggage connected to the Holy Spirit and even trying to learn about it. Him. It. It. Uh, you have baggage there, and you, so you've kind of not really pursued that because it seems different, weird, or whatever. It's time to move past that, right? But it's okay. We've got to move past the baggage and pursue what's true. And, and so I want you to kind of go and, and uh, discover some new wonderful things that you haven't known or that you haven't cherished recently. Okay, Brian, that's a great idea. I'll do that. H how do I do that? Well, you can go open like BibleGateway.com, Google not Google, uh, type in Holy Spirit and just read things connected to the Holy Spirit. I'd start in the New Testament and just, depending on how much time you're going to spend. Um, if you Google, mm, it's hit or miss, you know. So, um, warning, warning. I want to pray for you. Now I'm going to do something a little bit differently here. Because I, I want you to have, all have confirmation if you've given your life to Jesus, that you have the Holy Spirit. I don't want there to be any doubts. And again, you can go up to the prayer ministry for more of this. But I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray and first of all give people a chance to give their lives to Jesus so they can be participating in what I'm about to do here. And, and give their life to Jesus. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, walk through those four things. And I encourage you to say them out loud. Brian, that's weird to say things out loud. Really? Is it weird to say I believe in Jesus out loud? No. Okay, so I'm just going to do it. 
And, and, and as you can say, I believe you. I'm committed to live my life. Yeah, we're going to say those things out loud. At least I am. And, and you, can, you can do whatever you do you. But once we get through those things, then I'm just going to ask for confirmation that the Holy Spirit is there with you and, and on you as you give your life to Jesus. That's where we're going to go. So uh, why don't you close your eyes with me? Firstly, uh, for those of you who haven't yet repented and given your life to Jesus and, and been like, you know what? Jesus, I'm going to make a shift now. I'm going to repent. And I, I agree that my way has not been your way. And I'm going to now dedicate my life to, to Jesus' way from here on out. And, and I ask for forgiveness for not living after Jesus' way with my life. If that's you or maybe it's a, something you need to kind of redo because you're feeling like, man, you've been off for a while. I suggest praying something like this. God, God. Here I am. I now dedicate the entirety of my life to following Jesus. I repent. I repent from living my own way. That's not your way. And now I'm choosing to change and instead now to follow Jesus' way for the rest of my life. I believe in Jesus. I, I choose to follow Jesus. Forgive me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And lead me forward from here. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I, I, I want you to have confirmation that, that you have the Holy Spirit. And so, I'm going to just lay out these four things. And, and you can say what is true when it comes to the baptism. When you're like, I, I, choose, I will be baptized by this certain, by the end of summer or something like that. If you haven't been baptized yet. But, you know, like, hey, let's, let's call it out. Uh, number one, I believe in Jesus. One, two, three. I believe in Jesus. Oh, let's preach it. One, two, three. I believe in Jesus. Number two, uh, we're preaching this. I'm committed to following Jesus all the days of my life. I am committed to following Jesus all the days of my life. I have repented and turned to Jesus' way. I have repented and turned to Jesus' way. I have been baptized with water, or I plan to be by the end of summer. I have been baptized by water, or I plan to be by the end of summer. Okay, good. Uh, Holy Spirit, I ask you, based on these confessions, to confirm your presence. Because I look at your Bible, and, and, and I look at the word here, and it, and it says, then this, if this is true, then that. And so, Holy Spirit, make yourself obvious in each person's heart and life. Right now, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come and make yourself obvious. Now, what might that be like? Well, it could be very different for different people. Maybe for some of you, your hands feel tingly and on fire. Maybe for some of you, the, your head is something weird going on with your head, and tingly or, or something like that. Maybe you feel peace on the inside or love on the inside or maybe a heaviness. Uh, coming over you. I mean, it could be it could be a wide variety of things. Spirit of the living God, make yourself known and obvious to us. Confirm your presence. Confirm your presence in our hearts and lives. Spirit of God, confirm your presence. Holy Spirit, come. feel like you just need more time with that you can keep going with that you can go for prayer ministry connected to that and they'll just 
happily pray for you that just for con- God's confirmation. That's an important one, guys. It's an important one. Uh, Spirit of Jesus, uh, thank you. Thank you for your ministry among us. Continue now in Jesus' name.